שבא שלום. Are you guys partied out or what? Man, we've had feast after feast after feast after party after party. Food and more food and more food. If you were in the midst of a diet in the last three weeks, bad timing. Very bad timing, right? We, we've been just celebrating very loud. Whoever said that, that guy is very loud. Um... Yeah, we've been um, part of a three-week celebration as uh, these appointed times in the fall. Of, we know that obviously there are God's appointed times. And so we just, we've been back to back to back. But um, with those things now out of the way for the time being, um, we know that one day we will be able to be celebrate all those things uh, forever in the presence of God. Uh, today we're back to Scripture. Today we're back to learning. And so, I want us to kind of reflect over the last three weeks of what is it, even though we've been in the midst of celebration week after week, what, what has God done in your life? Amen. You know, what has God shown you? What has God taught you? Where has God led you over the last three weeks? You know, because sometimes we get so caught up in these festivities that we don't realize that there's more to just the festivities, Right? These are prophetic celebrations from God, and so therefore there's something that we must take from all of these things. There's something that God's still showing through all these feasts of Him. And so therefore these are the things that we should be asking for. And just the icing on the cake is just a celebration that we get to celebrate together, right? In one accord, united as God um, demand, uh, commands us to in His Word, to come together and, and to congregate. But we really, again... I said it, I believe it was two weeks ago, where people get so caught up in the feast and, and, and these, and, and I think it was Yom Kippur, uh, the Day of Atonement, and, you know, they think, oh, it's just the, the atonement and, and what the blood cleanses us, but what are we doing with our inner part? What are we doing with the inner us? Are we feeding that? Or are we just staying so superficially that all we're doing is just the enjoyment of the festivity, so therefore all we're doing is really satisfying the flesh. But are we feeding the Spirit? Well, this morning we're going to be feeding the Spirit. Because we're back Amen. to Scripture. Amen. Right? We're back to Scripture this morning. And so if you guys remember, we left off in Exodus 22 the last time. And we pretty much started the instructions of God. Or also known as the law of God. Not the law of Moses, not the Mosaic law, not all these other names they call it. It is the law of God given through Moses. Amen. Moses is not a God. Moses is a man. And so therefore he does not come up with none of these laws, but God did. And therefore he used Moses to speak to the people of Israel. There needed to be someone to speak. Can God... Uh, could he have come down and, and spoken to everybody? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, when he spoke at the top of Mount Sinai, it says that it was audibly, that everybody heard it. The problem was they got so scared that they ran. The thunder and lightning in the top of Mount Sinai was, was, so, was, so, was so heavy and so, and so loud that they ran. They got scared. And so they said, Moses, you speak to us. Because if God speaks to us, we might be destroyed. And so God says, fine, you know what? I'll use Moses 
to speak to my people. So therefore, because I don't want them running from me. I need them running to me. And so again, the, God, the, the, the law is given by God to Moses to speak to his people. Now I believe it's worth mentioning again that there were some instructions that judgment was based on circumstances. If you guys remember back, I know it's kind of hard, we've been in, in the Moedims for the last three weeks, but if you guys remember back uh, on, on chapter 22, there were some instructions that the judgment was based on circumstances, but others that it, they were just right out an abomination to God. Some judgments of God came down based on circumstances. Some, the judgment of God just came straight down because the sin was just so bad that there was no explanation, no circumstances, no chances. And so I want you to think about this next time there are consequences in your life. I want you to think about this next time there's consequences in your life. That when you do something, maybe the judgment of God might not come right away based on the circumstances, but if the judgment of God comes right off the bat, then whatever you did, it was a complete abomination to God. So don't complain. The same way we receive the blessings of God, we should receive the correction of God. If there's no correction in our lives, how can we move forward? We, we said this time and time again. How can we realign ourselves to where God wants us to go if there is no correction? You know, we always give the example. When you need to correct kids, you need to teach them. Sometimes based on the circumstances, the correction might be a little bit easier or, or, or not so harsh. But depending on what they did, that correction might be a little bit more stern. It's the same thing with God and us. Depending on what we did, God corrects us, but sometimes a little bit more stern than others. So you see, it's the same example, and it's the way we teach our kids. Why? Because we hate them? No, because we love them. God does not correct us and chastise us because He hates us. God corrects us because He loves us. Because He cares so much about us that He does not want us straying away from what He has for us. If you have something that you want to give so badly to your kids, but you know they're doing completely opposite of what they should be doing, but yet you still want to give them something so badly, don't you try to correct them first before you give them that? You know why? Because if you give them something and they're not corrected, whatever you give them, they're not going to have the knowledge and the understanding of how to put it to use. Now I want you to think about that on a spiritual level. If God gives us blessings out of season, we won't know how to use it. And so I wanted to, to go back to that. I wanted us to go have that mindset again. Because again, we might still be caught up in, in, in celebrations. We need to understand. We need to understand that this life we lead every single day, it requires sacrifice. It requires correction. Not a lot of people want that. Those are the two words that they don't want. They don't want to sacrifice anything and they definitely don't want to be corrected. When it speaks about blessing, I want them all. When it speaks about giving, give it all to me. But when it speaks about sacrifice, 
Sorry, not available. Out of order. I'm sick. I can't do that, Lord. I don't have the strength. But we want all the blessings from God. The Israelites were the same. They wanted all the blessings, but did not want to sacrifice. And can I tell you that we're no different? Think about that. Can I tell you that we're no different? How many times do we just constantly ask God to give us, to give us, to give us, but when God asks to give something back, we're like, wait a second. That's too much. That's too much. But yet God has been taking out, in other words, and taking out and taking out and taking out. And, and listen, and, and that's who he is. That is his nature, to give, right? We, there's nothing that we can give to God. And he's, he's just a giving God. That's who he is. But he wants to see our heart, right? And so how do we display our hearts to him? By when he asks us to do something, we show it. Not just with words, but with actions. Amen. Words are easy to say. Anybody can open their mouth and speak. Oh, yes, Lord, I love you. Anybody can say that. An unbeliever can say that. I love God. And have no relationship with God whatsoever. He can say, I love God. But do his actions say that he loves God? Actions speak louder than words. So we have learned, especially during the Moedims, during God's appointed times of the Lord, that they're not only for the natural Israel, for the Jews, but also for those that have been grafted in, you and I. We are now spiritual Israel. If we are to accept the celebrations of God, then we also must accept the instructions of God. Amen. I'm going to repeat that again. If we are to accept the celebrations of God and be part of the celebrations of God, then we must accept the instructions of God. Why? Because they go hand in hand. It is impossible to accept the celebrations without the instructions. It is impossible because it is the very instructions that lead you to the celebrations. Amen? <clears throat> now let's continue with God's instruction, but before I do that, I want to mention that worship, listen, worship and justice move hand in hand. Think about that for a second. Worship and the justice of God move hand in hand. When you worship God, if you're truly worshiping God in spirit and in truth, meaning you're worshiping God wholeheartedly, your heart is receptive to the justice of God. Because you are completely surrendered to God. Otherwise, you will not be worshiping God. And so therefore, you are able to receive the justice of God. Amen? So let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Exodus 23, which is pretty much where we left off. And we're going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 3. And again, you know, we'll, we'll break it down. Now, I might skip over some things. I might not go into every single instruction in, in, this, in this chapter. There are some guys that are just straight out common sense. I know common sense is not so common at times. But I don't, I don't believe it is necessary for me to go to every single instruction or every single law that is spoken here. 
when some of them are just plainly obvious. So if I skip over some, you know why I skip But If you would like to read them afterwards, please, by all means, you can go back and read chapter 23. As a matter of fact, I encourage you afterwards in your own time to go over your notes and to reread chapter 23. Maybe God will show you something different that he showed me, right? I encourage that all the time. As a matter of fact, not only that, but I would like for you guys to put everything to the test. I love when people ask questions. I love that. Because that shows me that what they, first of all, that they're paying attention, obviously. Whatever I said from here, whatever God spoke, maybe they might have a different view. Maybe they've been taught differently. And so therefore we take back to scripture and we show you in scripture what God says. Everything we put in notes, we take it straight out of scripture. And you will see today how we go straight back to scripture as we always do. Amen? Amen. So Exodus 23, verse 1 through verse 3. The first part of these about 19, 20 verses will be instructions between man and man. Right? Or women and women or humans, in other words. From 20 on is between man and God how we respond to him, to what he tells us to do. So notice the difference as we go through scripture. Amen? It says, do not spread a false report. Do not join hands with the wicked by becoming a malicious witness. Do not follow a crowd to do evil, nor are you te to testify in a case to follow a crowd and pervert just justice. Listen to what I just said a couple of minutes ago. Nor are you to testify in a case to follow a crowd and pervert justice. On the other hand, nor should you take sides with a poor man in his case. Let's stop there for a second. Right off the bat, we see God addressing what? Gossip. False reports. When I tell you that literally everything that we go through in life is addressed in the Bible, it is truly addressed in the Bible. And so we see here, God, right off the bat, address gossip. And address gossip between people. Not only between people, but between a crowd. And says, don't be part of a large crowd just because you feel that what they're gossiping about or what they're talking about might be right. Don't be part of that. Don't be part of false reports. You need to have proof. You need to have proof. Don't become part of, of the crowd just because it sounds good. So right off the bat, God addresses gossip and false reports. But he takes it even a step further. Look what he says. By becoming a malicious witness. That word malicious is evil. When you become part of the crowd that is gossiping, you become a malicious witness. You become an evil person. Look how bad it is to be involved in gossip. That all of a sudden, your character is instantly changed or labeled because of what you're partaking in. Just of the simple fact 
You might not be the one that started the gossip, but just by being part of it, you're a malicious witness. You're an evil person. Just by being part of it. Now, I was having a conversation with, with my son this past week, and uh, we got a, a text message over the last week that, you know, there's this new thing on, on TikTok that kids are doing where they're going to other schools and doing a bunch of nonsense that they shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, destroying, in other words, private property. And so if we got a long email and, and a text, they send us emails and texts, that if your child is caught in the act of this, they don't have to be the one that started it. Listen to what I'm telling you. If they are caught as an accomplice, think of what I'm saying and think of what we just read. If they are caught as an accomplice, they will be charged as with a felony, that's number one, and they will be expelled from school. So what did your child just became? A malicious witness, even though they did not start the whole TikTok thing. They're an accomplice. They get treated just as bad as the one who started it. Because what? The intent is there. The intent is there. So even though your child might have been the one that started it, the intent of the heart is there. So therefore, the, that maliciousness exists within that child. You're part of the crowd just the same way. You're labeled an evil person. And they're charging kids with felonies. You know what it is to have a child already at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old with a felony? For trying to be funny? You just ruined your life. You ruined your life. Because whenever you go get a job and they run your background record and that comes up, guess what? You have a massive X. Very few jobs will give you good quality jobs. And big corporations will give you a job if you have a felony. Very few. So therefore, you spend the rest of your life trying to figure out how you're going to get a job and where you're going to get a job, all because you try to fit in with the malicious crowd. Hey, but you're famous on TikTok. <laughs> but you're famous on TikTok for the time being, yeah. until you get locked up, because you will be locked up as well. Wow. You don't only get charged with a felony, you get locked up as well. And then try to get into another school aside from that. Because that also follows your record. So again, when you become an accomplice to this gossip, God labels you as a malicious witness. A false report was and is a fundamental way to put your hand with the wicked and follow a crowd to do evil. I'll repeat that again. A false report was and is a fundamental way to put your hand and your involve, involvement, in other words, with the wicked and follow a crowd to do evil. Look what scripture says. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15.33. The back of the book. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Look what scripture labels you at. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. 
That's scripture. That's not me. Do not be deceived. In other words, guys, don't get involved. Don't think it's cool. Don't think that, oh, because there's a crowd saying it, it must be true. There's about 15 or 20 of them. It must be true. They must have some sort of, of, of evidence, of proof. If there is no proof, if there's no evidence, that crowd, that company corrupts good morals. And now you have become part of the malicious crowd. To spread gossip and follow the wrong crowd promotes evil and perverts justice. Didn't we just read that? Think about next time you want to follow the masses. We've said it time and time again. The masses doesn't necessarily mean they're right. What the masses do doesn't necessarily mean it's right. What the masses say doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Bible clearly says, by, by their fruit, you will know them. By their fruit, you will know them. So gossip, to spread gossip is to follow the wrong crowd, promote evil, and pervert justice. This is sin. To spread gossip is sin. By the way, just in case you didn't know that. Because, again, you are perverting justice. Therefore, it is impossible, listen to this, since that is sin, it is impossible to worship God in spirit and in truth. Why? Because you're spreading false report. How can you worship God in spirit and in truth? If malicious intent and false reports exist within you, how can you worship God in spirit and in truth? How can anything that comes out of your mouth be truth if there's false reports within you? Or you're easily, easily persuade to follow crowds with false reports. It is impossible to worship God in spirit and in truth. When you truly submit to God and to the will of God and justice of God, you immediately become part of the minority rather than the majority. When you truly submit to God and the will of God and the justice of God, you immediately, it's like a flip of a switch, be, become part of the minority rather than the majority. And I'm not talking about race and I'm not talking about color. I'm talking within the body of Christ. If not, go back outside Come inside and we'll flip the switch for you so you can look around. You have become part of the minority because of what we've gone back to. You immediately become part of the minority. <clears throat> the majority is easy to follow. It doesn't take much doesn't matter what I do, what I say, how I act, it doesn't matter. Grace of God covers me. That's easy. Wow. Where's the sacrifice in that? Where? Think about that. Where's the sacrifice in that? 
that you can do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, but the grace of God covers you. That's simple. That's the majority. The minority, it's living everything out. Withholding yourself from things that you know are an abomination to God. Things that God says that He commands and is worth not to do, not to eat, and period, not to even follow, and not to blend yourself in. I mean, more clear than what God says to do, it doesn't get. The problem is, we did away with that. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. Majority rules have replaced God's rules. Majority rules have replaced God's rules. Think about that. What is being taught nowadays has replaced what God said since the beginning of time. There's not a following, there is a replacement. Listen, don't allow what is popular to become, listen to me, listen to what I'm about to say. Don't allow what is popular to become what is right. Do not allow what is popular become what is right. Replacement theology is wrong theology. And then finally, verse 3 finalizes by saying that no one should be shown favoritism based on their status. Here it addresses, we see, a poor man. Now, the same way it speaks about a poor man, I'll tell you it speaks about a rich man. In other words, if somebody has money and they try to persuade you because of the money they have, do not treat them differently than you would treat anybody else. In other words, God shows here that he displays here in the scripture that he shows no favoritism to anybody. He doesn't care whether you have a million dollars or you have one. Whether you're pretty or you're ugly. Whatever it is, God treats you the same way. It doesn't make a difference. God shows no favoritism to nobody. Amen? Amen. Let's continue to read. There's plenty more to learn. Verse 4. We're going to read from verse 4 to verse 9. It says, if you find your enemy, your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you must surely bring it back to him again. If you see the donkey of the one that hates you, <laughs> I'm sorry. listen to this. He doesn't address if you see the donkey of the one who likes you. He instantly got, God has a, a, an awesome sense of humor, yes, right? He says, if you see the ox or the donkey or the one who hates you lying down under its burden, do not leave it there. Rather, you are to release it with them. You are not to pervert justice. This is the second time that is mentioned. To your poor in his dispute. Stay far away from a false charge. Do not kill the innocent and the righteous, for I will not justify the guilty. 
Take no bribe. For a bribe blinds those who have sight and perverts the words of the righteous. And verse 9 says, Do not oppress an outsider, for you know the heart of an outsider since you were an outsider in the land Amen. of Egypt. Man, this chapter is straightforward. I mean, it doesn't get more straightforward than this, but we'll dissect, dissect some things here and there. Again, these are things, if you notice, that we're, what we're talking about is between people. Notice, the gossip, the false reports is between people. The treating is between people. No favoritism. All this is between people. God will address how we, he, he treats us between him and I later on. Now, in these verses, we see the goodness and kindness was not only for those we liked, but for all. Never in scripture there says, if you see the donkey of the person you like, release it. No, God says, if you see the donkey of the person who hates you, release it. Amen. Don't just walk by and the donkey's dying and leave him sitting there. No, care for that donkey. What, in a sense, what you're doing is caring for the person that hates you. Love your you're loving your enemies, what God calls you to do. He says, love your enemies as what? As you love yourself. One of the greatest commandments, where the rest hang on. So again, goodness and kindness is not just for those you like. It's for all. That's hard. That's hard. For people that have backstabbed you. For people that constantly talk bad about, bad about you. For people that have done dirt to you. Have turned their backs to you. When you did absolutely nothing, you're still supposed to show them love. You know why? Because that is what Yeshua did. He did it for those that loved him. And for those that were cursing him. He did it for both. There was no exception. There was no favoritism. When Yeshua walked the earth, he says, you know what? I'm going to die for these people because they believe in me and they like me. Those on that side, sorry. No. As a matter of fact, he said, you know what? They know who I am. I'm going to die for them. And, I, and they're pleased with my sacrifice and I'm pleased with them. But I am more concerned about you guys. Those that don't know me, those that hate me, those that talk bad about me because they don't understand who I am or what I came here to do, you guys are more my concern. So therefore, he didn't make any exceptions. He didn't show favoritism. In other words, it's easy to show that towards a friend, right? Favoritism towards a friend. It's easy to show favoritism towards somebody you like. But what about towards somebody who hurts you? Not only hurts you, has hurt you, maybe even hurts you consistently. How do you display love to that person? Wow. You really got to dig deep in there, man. I mean, deep in that bag of love and dig it out. And dig it out of you.
Now the principle here is clear. The principle here is very clear. How you feel, listen to me, how you feel about someone does not determine right or wrong behavior towards them. How you feel about someone, in other words, does not allow you to treat that person bad or good, whatever it may be. Why? Because feelings change and feelings are of the flesh. So if you're, if you're persuaded by your feelings, you are going contrary to what the word says. To sure summarize this in scripture, let's go to Luke 10, 27. Luke 10, 27. This is Yeshua speaking. He said, and he replied, this is who is my neighbor. This is when they asked him, who is my neighbor? He replied, you shall love Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as your self people sometimes think that when scripture says your neighbor is literally your neighbor next door it could be if that person is constantly hurting you or talking bad about you but when scripture talks more about your neighbor it's actually those that sometimes do wrong against you treat you bad and Joshua gives an illustration listen the same way you love God and all this way is the same way you have to love these people, even if they talk bad about you, even if they hurt you, you're still supposed to display the same love towards them. You know why? Because love conquers all. That's scripture. Love conquers all. By you behaving yourself, and displaying the love of God through you, you can conquer a person that is filled with hate mm. towards you, yes. that is filled with, with um, desires just to, to cause pain on you, by simply displaying the love of God. Why? What I mentioned earlier. You are humbling yourself to that pride, but pride will always, I mean, humbleness will always overtake pride. Always. It will get to a point in time where that person is going to say, man, you know what? What am I thinking? What am I doing? He doesn't do anything bad to me. He's never not once talked bad about me. He's never stabbed me in the back. But yet I've done all these things. The conviction will be so deep that they will just have no other choice but give in. Now, that doesn't mean, that I said, that does not mean that you have to have a relationship with this person either. Please don't misunderstand me. If you got a person that's constantly doing you bad, does that mean you gotta go out there and be his best friend? Obviously. But it does not mean you treat them with the same way they're treating you. You don't pay evil with evil. No. That's not the way you behave. That's not the way scripture teaches us to behave. Amen? Amen. Now, verse 8. 
Very interesting. Let's go to verse 8 again. It says, Take no bribe, for a bribe blinds those who have sight and perverts the words of the righteous. When we think about bribe, we think about just taking money from somebody, right? Uh, that person wants to do something or, or, or say something and they give us money and that becomes a bribe so you can uh, agree with what they're about to say or they're about to do. That is a form of bribe. Did you know that another form of bribe, considering in the time of the year that we're in, and how we are approaching the end of the year, what do we do at the end of the year? Taxes. I'm gonna say this out loud, guys. Okay, I'm gonna say this out loud. When you go before your CPA, and your beautiful, amazing, and honest CPA says, we can add this, we can add that, we can stretch it right to that border without crossing over. Don't worry about it, but you're going to get a couple of thousand dollars more. Um, that is called a form of bribe. Why? In a sense, they're giving you more money so you can agree with the lie that they're putting on the paper so you can benefit from it. So you're taking a bribe on your taxes, cheating out Uncle Sam, poor old Uncle Sam. He's such, a, he's such an honest person too. And so therefore you take a bribe and what the scripture says, you become what? Let's read. Verse eight says, you take no bribe for a bribe blinds those who have sight. Once you take a bribe, you are spiritually blinded. Not only are you spiritually blinded, but it continues to say, and you pervert, your words become perverted. In other words, your words hold no weight. They hold no weight because you're easily bought. All I need to do is just dish out a couple of hundred dollars and I know you're agree with whatever I'm going to say anyways. So you're blinded to the truth and you're easily bought. You become part of that crowd at the beginning. That malicious crowd. Guys, be careful. Be careful with your CPAs. Be careful what you put on paper. Once it's put on paper, there's a thing called paper trail. And the government audits from time to time. I'm just going to leave that out there. Finally, in verse 9, it says, Do not judge or condemn those that have not come fully to the truth. Look at verse 9 says, Do not oppress an outsider, for you know the heart of an outsider, since you were an outsider in the land of Egypt. In other words, guys, do not judge those that have not come fully to the light yet. Do not point fingers at those that still God has not shown them this that we're studying, this that we're following. Because what? 
we were there one day. We were part of that crowd one day. We were part of the majority one day. Now we're the minority. It's okay. I'm good with that. I don't know about you guys. You guys are okay with being the minority? I'm fine. Call me Jew if you want me to, too. That's fine. Last time I checked, that's God's chosen people. And I could show you that in Scripture. In the back of the book, by the way. Call me what you want. I'm the one that's benefiting from truly God's blessings. Amen? Amen. Let's continue to read. Verse 10. We'll read 10 to 12. You guys having fun this morning? Yes. I am. When I read the chapter, I was studying the chapter, I'm like, man, this is going to be straight out fun. <laughs> it says, for six years, you are to sow your land and gather the increase. But during the seventh year, you are to let it rest and lie follow. So that the poor among you, among your people, may eat. Whatever they leave behind, the animals of the field may eat. You are to deal with your vineyard and your olive grove in the same way. Verse 12, it says, You are to do your work for six days, but on the seventh day, Come on. you are to do just the same amount of work. No? No. no? no. Hold on. I need glasses. It says, You are to do your work for six days, but on the seventh day, you will... Rest. Rest. So that your ox, wait a second, you are to do rest, so that your ox and your donkey may also rest. But wait, it doesn't stop there. And also the son of your handmaid and the outsider may be refreshed. In other words, rested. Wow, would you look at that? So, meaning you are to rest, your animals, in other words, those working for you are to rest, and those outsiders are to rest. Meaning you are not to put anybody to work. When somebody works for you, they're not resting. But we use the excuse, Monday through Friday, I work, I get to home late, and I don't have time, and you know, it's, it is what it is. Saturday is the only day they can come to my house. I'm sorry, you know, it's not my intentions, it's just, I have good intentions, right? But Saturday is the only day they can come to my house, you know, the rest of the week, they're also busy, and they can't do it. But it says that you are to rest and the outsider is to rest. You're not to put anybody to work for you on Shabbat. That's what we're addressing here, Shabbat. That's good. Straightforward. This is straightforward. I mean, I don't think this needs to be beaten up a little bit. I think this is pretty much straightforward. So here we see Shabbat addressed. And can I tell you that Shabbat is both spiritual and physical spiritual why because God made it holy and set apart from the other six days Genesis 2 1 to 3 we're not going to put it up here this you can write it on your notes and you can go read it after physical because God made it for man to rest 
Hebrews 4, 3 to 4, and verse 9 and 10. Read those. Notice that I addressed Shabbat in the back of the book. I didn't even take it from the Old Testament, which I could have. There's plenty of scripture in the Old Testament to address Shabbat. I went to the back of the book to prove it to you, that Shabbat is mentioned in the back of the book. <clears throat> the benefits of obedience to this day commanded by God is for you and for me. They're not for God. The benefits are not for God. Right. The benefits are for you and for me. Amen. He made Shabbat for men. So we can rest. Because we needed rest. Amen. Physically, we need a rest. Spiritually, we also need a rest. We're so go, go, go during the week at work. And sometimes the first day of the week, which is Sunday, we're so go, go as, as the only day off that he said, you know what? The seventh day, Shabbat, Saturday, because when you look at the translation of Shabbat, it says what? Saturday. I don't even want to go there, but look at the translation of Shabbat. It doesn't say Sunday. It doesn't, it doesn't say that you get to pick what day you observe Shabbat. No, Shabbat is Saturday. And so he said, I'm going to make this day for you to rest. God knew ahead of time that we were going to need rest. God knew ahead of time that we were going to need a day because we were going to be so caught up and so busy that we were going to use the excuse of, I don't have time. So he says, you know what? Fine. You don't have time during the week? I'm going to make time for you. Because in reality, we all have 24 hours. Yeah. Last time I checked, I don't have any more hours than you do. So God says, fine, you know what? Across the board for everybody, I'm going to make one day the same, same amount of hours, same amount of minutes, same amount of seconds for you to do this and rest and not do absolutely nothing. But spend time with me Amen. and spend time with your family. Amen. That's rest. Doesn't mean you go home and it's your only day because you've been working all week and you pick up a broom and you start brooming your house. You can wait for sundown. <laughs> Problem is by the time ah, I'm too tired. <laughs> brooming, brooming will go next week. You see, we're just filled with excuses. Yeah. It's one after the other. It's one after the other. So who truly benefits on Shabbat? We do. We do. Amen. I'm glad you said that. We do. We do. And what are we considered? God's people. Minority. The minority. Did you know that Shabbat was made for God's people? Now, I am not showing favoritism here. I'm just simply going to... I'm just simply going to show you why I say this, or explain to you why I say this, better yet. Shabbat was made for God's people. Why? The, an atheist can observe Shabbat. That's fine. Physically, they can rest. Absolutely. You know what? I'm not going to work Saturdays anymore. I don't believe in God, but I don't feel like working Saturdays anymore. He's observing Shabbat. But the benefits are limited. Yes. Mm, come on. Hmm. The benefits are limited to the physical part. 
He's resting on Shabbat physically. The guy is rested. The woman is rested. But when it comes to the spiritual side, there are no benefits for the atheist. For God's people, we understand the benefits Amen. of observing Shabbat because there are blessings and promises that are attached Amen. to Shabbat by observing and obedience to the commandment of God because it's one of the ten words. Amen. If we remember, he clearly says, remember Shabbat because it is holy. So there are blessings that are attached to Shabbat. So while the atheist can benefit from the physical, he cannot benefit from the spiritual. So God's people, who Shabbat was truly made for, can benefit from the physical when they physically rest, and also from the spiritual when they obey and observe Shabbat. Amen, Pastor. Very good. Very good. So Shabbat was made for God's people. Now, if you consider yourself God's people, then you have a double blessing. Amen. If you consider an atheist and you're just sitting in here one will proceed, then I'm sorry to tell you, you're just strictly benefiting from the physical part. This is not directly to anybody. This is just general. Shabbat is not a day we get to choose. Listen to what I'm about to say. Shabbat is not a day we get to choose. That day, God already chose. That day, God already chose. It was the seventh day, and the seventh day is Saturday. Not Sunday, or whatever day, or Monday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday. No, it is Saturday. <laughs> Meaning today, you sat today to observe Shabbat. How many times have you heard, no, I observe Shabbat whenever I want. Because of grace, I get to do so. Find it in scripture for me. Where does it, get, where does it say that grace changed Shabbat's day? Nowhere. You're not going to find it. But that's what they teach. That's what they teach. You don't have to, just by gathering on Sunday. That's Shabbat. We're observing. We're spending time with God. So we don't get to choose. God already chose. Amen. That command was never up for negotiations. Did God say, listen, when my son comes and walks the earth, he's going to come with a different agenda. Um, one of the things he's going to address is what day you guys really want to meet. <laughs> Do you guys want to change a day? What do you want to meet? Sunday? Ah, fine. Pick a Sunday. Any Sunday. You want to meet Monday? Sure, why not? We can meet Monday too. We'll change Shabbat to Monday or Sunday. It doesn't matter. He came with a different agenda. Came to do away with things, man. I mean... Wait, don't worry about what scripture says that he says him and the father are one. That's nonsense. That command was never up for negotiations, guy. Last thing I want to mention in Shabbat is this. It was not only made for men, but also for the land, as well as the animals, as is mentioned here in scripture. Clearly says that Shabbat was made for men, for the animals, 
and for the land to rest, if you read it there. For six years you are to sow your land and gather the increase, but during the seventh year you are to let it rest. There's the land. Then we jump to verse 12. You are to do work for six days, but for the seventh you will rest. There is man. Then it continues to say so that your ox and donkey may have rest. There is the animals. And also the sons of your handmaid and the outsider. There are the outsiders. Everybody's supposed to rest. So it's not just for man, but also for everyone else, even the lands. Now the reason the majority doesn't see it this way is because what is said between the previous verses that I gave you in Hebrews when I address Shabbat in the physical. So go with me to book of Hebrews. Uh, chapter 4 we're going to read verse 5 and 6 but first we're going to read um, Hebrews 4 3 and 4 so go with me to the book of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 4 you guys with me so far Amen. learning something some reason I can't find Hebrews now. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 4. So before we read verse 5 and 6, I want to read four, uh, 3 and 4 and verse 9 and 10 so you can see what I'm talking about and then we'll read 5 and 6. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, For we who have trusted are entering into that rest, it is just as God has said. Who said? God. So in my wrath I swore they shall never enter my rest, even though his works were finished since the foundation of the world. Then it goes, continues on to say, For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. Somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this day. And God rested on the seventh day from all his work. Somewhere he spoke about this this way. Where? All over the place. I mean, there is countless scripture on, on Shabbat. Then we scroll, go down to verse 9 and 10. So there remains a Shabbat rest for the people of God. So who is Shabbat made for? The people of God. For the one who has entered God's rest has also seized from his own work just as God did from his. Wow. Now this is the minority part. This is the ones that observe Shabbat. These are the ones that understand Shabbat. Now let's go to the majority. Verse 5 and 6. Same scripture. Chapter 4. Verse 5 and 6. It says, and again... In this passage, they shall never enter my rest. So then it remains for some to enter it, yet those who formerly had good news proclaimed to them did not enter because of what? But look what it says first. We read disobedience. So then it remains for some of those who enter into it, Yet those who formerly had the good news, 
These are believers. These are people that know the gospel. These are people that know scripture. These are not the outsiders. These are not the atheists. These are people that know scripture. It says, for those that had the good news proclaimed to them, did not enter because of disobedience. It is disobedience to the entire word of God that the world is in the condition that it is. Listen, even the church, even the body of Christ is in the condition that it is because of disobedience to the entire word of God. And how many times have we said it before? Partial obedience is what? Complete disobedience. So just because you take the scripture and you say, you know what, I'm going to read from Matthew on, and I'm going to obey everything Matthew on says, which in reality they don't, because I just proved to you that Shabbat is in the book of Hebrews, and disobey the rest of the Tanakh or the Old Testament, you are in complete disobedience. Sorry about that. You can cover your ears, you can do whatever you want, but the fact remains... You are in partial obedience, and that is complete disobedience. Listen to me. Just because it looks nice, sounds good, just because it smells right, and just because it feels right, it doesn't mean it tastes right and it's pure if you don't believe me ask Adam and Eve that was a joke part but notice that I address the five senses because why we are led by our senses sometimes it looks good everybody's doing it I might as well do it it sounds good you know what that tickles my ear I like the way it makes me feel I like the way it sounds. I'll follow doing it. It smells right. Ah, you know, sometimes you go into these mega churches and, you know, the atmosphere just smells right. You know, it feels good in here. <laughs> I feel warmth. <laughs> or just because it straight out feels right. You know what? Today I woke up and it just feels right. I'm going to go there. Does not mean it tastes right and it's pure. What did God say? Come and taste and see mm. the goodness of God. The goodness of God, goodness of God is the entirety yes. of God. Yes. Not just part of God. We don't get to choose what part of God we want to taste. We don't choose what part of God we want to follow. It's either follow everything or don't follow anything. Yeah. Or what does Revelation say? One foot in, one foot out? He'll do what? He'll vomit you. You might as well be an atheist. Don't waste your time. Now, like I said, the first category up to now, we've seen 
how God deals between man and man or humans. Now we're about to see how God deals between men and God. So let's continue to read verse 13. And we'll continue to read from here all the way down to verse 19. <clears throat> it says, Well, all these things that I have said to you, take heed, make no mention of the names of other gods, and do not let them be heard in your mouth. Three times in the year you are to celebrate a festival for me. You are to observe the Feast of Matzo, unleavened bread. For seven days you will eat matzo. You will eat unleavened bread as I commanded you. At the time, at the time appointed in the month of Aviv. I'll address that in a minute. For that is when you came out from Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Also, you are to observe the feats of harvest. Shavuot. The first fruits of your labors that you sow in the field, as well as the Feast of the Ingathering. That was what? Sukkot. We just finished, remember, Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Tabernacles. Sukkot. Um, the first fruits, uh, as well as the Feast of Ingathering, at the end of the year, when you gather your crops from the field. Now, this does not mean the end of the actual year. This is the end of the harvest year. Remember, all these three feasts, these are the, th the three pilgrimage feasts, all have to do with harvest. And that's why during these three feasts, we bring a special offering to the Lord. Because it says there, do not come empty-handed. Clearly, that's the same scripture. Do not come empty-handed before the Lord. Now, so again, at the end of the year, it's the end of the um, harvest year. So three times in the year, all of your men are to appear before Adonai Elohim. Do not offer the blood of my sacrifice with hametz. Hametz is leavened bread. Okay? Please don't miss that. Do not offer the blood of my sacrifice with hametz. That's leavened bread. Matzo, it's unleavened bread. Yes. Nor it is the fat of my feast to remain out of night until the morning. Bring the choicest first fruits of your land into the house of Adonai, your God. Remember, Cain and Abel. Do not boil a a kid in its mother's milk. Let's stop there for a second. So we see here God addressing the three pilgrimage feasts, as we spoke about earlier. Unleavened bread. And sometimes when you look at the three pilgrimage feasts, um, they associated actually Passover with the pilgrimage feast. But in reality, if we remember, Passover, it was just a preparation for what was about to take place. So the actual feast begins with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That is what we are to do for seven days. It's on, eat unleavened for seven days. There should be no leaven in our homes because of the preparation that happened during Passover with the Passover lamb. So that is the actual first feast. Remember, we said there were seven more deems, seven appointed days of the year, but only three of them are feasts. The Feast of Matzo. 23, he talks about these feasts, these pilgrimage feasts that we must come before before him, not empty-handed, never empty-handed. As a matter of fact, even outside these feasts, we should never come to the presence of God empty-handed. Right. Yes. Period. You should never come to the presence before the presence of God empty-handed. Because everything we have is because of him. Yes. Everything that we have is because of his grace and mercy that we have. Because we don't deserve anything. Mm -hmm. 
If you're sitting here and you think you deserve something, I'm sorry to tell you, you do not deserve anything. It is because of God's grace and mercy that he is so good and that he loves us so much that he pours out of his never-ending giving. Then we see in verse 18, holiness and sin don't mix. Mm -hmm. Just in case you guys missed that, go back to verse 18. It says, do not offer the blood of my sacrifice with hamets. Mm -hmm. Do not mix the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread. Mm -hmm. yes, come on. What happened in Passover? The blood of his sacrifice, the blood of his son, the Passover lamb, that pure blood, that blood that cleanses us. Then we entered into the unleavened, that wheat that we were not supposed to eat any leaven. So here God says, don't mix that holy blood, that holy sacrifice during Passover, the, the blood that my son shed with leaven, because leaven is a representation of what? Sin, sin, holiness, and sin don't mix. Don't go together. And that is what the church is doing nowadays. They are mixing holiness and sin by partaking in things of the world and mixing it with Jesus. That's it. We'll partake and we'll be part of the world so we can fit in and we don't seem uncool or, or, or an outsider We'll blend with the world and just have Jesus on it and we'll be all good. We can kind of rub, you know, rub elbows with the crowd. We can rub elbows with the outsiders, with the unbelievers. And they'll think, well, hey, we're cool. Throw some lights up and, you know, some good sounds and we'll, we'll get them in church. Mm. Come on. Is that what God instructed in his word to do? No. No. He never said to blend in. He said to stand apart. Amen. You're set apart. Amen. Stand out. Yes. Listen, if those are to come and be saved, because unfortunately we know that not everyone will be saved. Mm -hmm. If they're meant to be saved, they're going to come to you. Yes. You don't need to mix yourself with them. Amen. You can speak to them about God. Absolutely, because that's yes. what the word instructs us to do. But that doesn't mean that you can partake in everything they partake in. That makes you just the same way they are. What kind of testimony are you giving? How can you say that you're different and that you're set apart when you do everything the world does? How? How can you say that you're set apart? And when you partake in Easter, how? Nowhere in Scripture does God says to celebrate Easter. Guys, come on. We've mentioned this before. Bunnies don't lay eggs. <laughs> you know what they're doing? They're replacing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, replacement theology. Yeah, that's right. It's wrong theology. Yep. The majority follows. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it looks cool. It looks nice. My kids can partake in it. Pick a couple of eggs. Get some chocolates. Feels right. You know, they're doing it. They're doing it. Why not? Look how fun, how much fun everybody's having. 
Everybody got a smile on their face. Kids are all going all over the place. They're bouncing off the wall because all the sugar. <laughs> Why not? Chocolate tastes great. Mm -hmm. Must be good. <laughs> Holiness and sin don't mix, guys. No. Sorry to tell you that. No. Exodus 23, 20, 21. Behold, I am sending an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared. Sounds familiar. Watch for him and listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him because he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. Amen. That is powerful scripture. Yeah. I'm going to read that again. Please don't miss this. Behold, I am sending an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared. Yes. Yes. Mm. Watch for him. Wow. Watch for him. Wow, come on. And listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him because he will not pardon wow. your, transgression, your transgressions for my name yes. is wow. in him. Wow. Man, I got goosebumps. That's powerful scripture. And we're going to break that down. And I'm going to show you what God is talking about here. The angel not only commanded obedience from his people, but most of all, the name of God was in him. So this is not... Not only that, God says to listen to his voice. Mm. He will guide you. He will guide the way. Come on. Because he's preparing a place for you. The wow. angel of God. Wow. And my name is in him. These verses should sound very, very familiar. What we actually see here is God himself speak of none other than his son, Yeshua. Amen, amen. So when people say that Yeshua came in the book of Matthew, they have no idea what they're talking about. Because if they say that Yeshua came in the book of Matthew, the book of John says otherwise. Go to the beginning. Well, Read that in a minute. Hallelujah. So we see here God himself speak of his son Yeshua in the Old Testament. But yet the church wants to do away with the Old Testament. Saying it doesn't apply anymore. That Yeshua himself came to do away with. So if Yeshua came to do away with, he came to do away with himself. That's like an oxymoron. Yeah. It would be contradicting. Scripture would be contradicting itself. And we know that scripture does not contradict itself. So, if the church is trying to do away with the Old Testament, they're trying to do away with Yeshua, the very thing that they believe in, in the New Testament. So we see that Yeshua was not only in the New Testament, but he was also in the Old Testament. Amen. And otherwise, again, scripture will contradict itself in the book of John. Let's go there. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. Prove everything with scripture. 
John what? 14? John 14. Verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 through 4. No, we're going to read a little bit more than 2. Because that's where people stop. <laughs> Amen. I like to read so I get the point across completely. And it's all in red. And I love when it's in red, right? Yeah. Who said that? Amen. No, what does that mean? The. That that his words. Words. That his you, if you have a Bible yes. and there's scripture in red, guess what? Those are God's words. Yes. Directly. And here John says, verse 1, Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. Dwelling. Wow. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Go back to Exodus. Verse 20 says, I am sending an angel before you to guard you and on your way and bring you to a place that I have prepared. Prepared. Wow. prepared. Same words. Verse 3 If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that I may, I am. So that where I am, you may also be, and you know the way to where I am going. Let's go back to Exodus. He says, verse 21, watch for him and listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him because he will not part of your transgression. My name is in him. Sorry, verse 20. I am sending an angel to guard you before and to guard you on the way. way. Yes, come on. Here we see in the book of John exactly what is spoken in the book of Exodus. Therefore, when God says that he is preparing a way that to listen to his voice and that he's preparing a place for you, he is speaking none other than his son, Joshua, exactly what John confirms in his, in his epistle in chapter 14. So we see that Joshua did not come in the book of Matthew. Yeshua was spoken about way back when Amen. in the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. Because not only that, God says, my name is in him. Amen. Wait, it goes a little bit deeper now. He's preparing a way. He's preparing a place. But why does God say that my name is in him? John 1, verse 1 to 3. Good words in it. Good words. John 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning. Let's prove it in the back of the book. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. John 1. John 1, verse 1 through verse 3. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Hallelujah. Let's continue to read. All things, verse 3. All things were made through him. And apart from him, nothing was made that has come into being. So when God says, my name is in him, in this angel, he's Come speaking on. about yes. none other than his son. Come and on. so therefore, 
Him and the Father are one. Yes. So did Yeshua come to do away with or to do exactly what the Father, what the Father commanded? If him and the Father are one, yep. and God says that he was with him in the beginning, is he going to just do something different? Do away with himself, right? <laughs> what is he doing away with himself? <laughs> How does that even make sense to somebody? He's doing away with himself with what he spoke about himself in the beginning. Come on, guys. This, is that on? It is. If you're watching this later on, please just read that again. So good. Because this is a lie that we've been taught for so long. Yes. yes. Come on. That Jesus came in the New Testament to do away with what was spoken in the Old Testament. So if Jesus came to do away with what was spoken in the Old Testament, he came to do away with himself. Mm. So therefore, the New Testament has no value. No weight. Again, the reason why the church is in the condition that it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. I'll begin to close with this. Let's go back to Exodus. Verse 20, uh, chapter 23, verse 22 to 28. Verse 22. It says, but if you listen closely to his voice and do everything I say, listen to what it says clearly here. Please don't oversee this. If you listen closely to his voice, mm -hmm. okay, and do everything I say, wow. you will see duality. Duality, mm -hmm. wow. Listen to his voice, but do what I say. Mm -hmm. Is that two different people? No, wow. it's the same. Wow. <laughs> Praise God. I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Oh, yes. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will cut them all, the ites, and I will cut them off. <laughs> you are not to bow down to their gods or serve them and do or, or do what they do. Rather, you are to utterly overthrow them and break their pillars and pieces. Amen. You are to serve Adonai your God, and he will bless your food and your water. Moreover, I will take sickness away from the Amen. midst. Amen. None will Come miscarriage on. nor be barren Amen. in your land, and I will fill up the numbers of your days. Yes. I will send my terror before you and throw all the people to whom you will come to into panic and make all your enemies Turn their backs to you. Amen. I will send the hornet before you, which will drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. Mm. Hallelujah. Wow. He then reminds his people, because obviously we need to be reminded. We have amnesia from time to time. We need to be reminded. <laughs> he then reminds his people that if they only worship him, Come on. Only him. Come on. Only him. He will be their God, and what? They will be his, his people. people. Doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah. Yes. I thought that was scripture. Here's a reminder. That scripture we just that I just mentioned comes way later. He's reminding: if you do this, if you obey me, and you only worship me, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And whoever is an enemy to you, there will be an enemy to me. Amen. The Hittites, the Canaanites. 
parasites and all the other ites. All those people will be my enemies. I will be their adversary as well. Come on. I will go against them. What does that mean? That God will fight your battle. protect you. Not only is he your God, not only is he going to fight for you, but then he says, I'm going to put the icing on the cake and I'm going to bless you if Amen. only you were to obey Come me. On. That's all I'm asking. So good. Obey what I'm asking you to do. Obey what I'm telling you that I have commanded yeah. and you will be and you will have all these benefits. Amen. You don't need to lift a finger. Come on. Just call upon my name and I will fight Amen. for you. Just call upon my name and I will come to your rescue. Amen. Amen. You need something. Call upon my name. Amen. And I will answer you. Amen. In other words, he will not leave you nor forsake you. Now that scripture comes to life. Right? We say it so often. But how now we see what Exodus says and how that scripture comes to life. Only because there is obedience. Okay? Only because there is obedience. Don't say, God will never leave me nor forsake me. And you're doing completely the opposite of what God is telling you to do. Oh, no. God will stand back. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's right. Absolutely. There are consequences to actions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. He doesn't leave away forever. He just temporarily steps back. Yeah. Mm. I'm not telling you he leaves you. He temporarily steps back. If you're doing the opposite of what he's asking you to do, mm. if there's no obedience, then the consequences begin to roll in. And as we learn, based on the circumstances, the judgment is to be light. Or if they're a complete abomination, the judgment is severe. Mm. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. So that scripture becomes alive only when there is obedience. But God doesn't stop there. He says... He will also bless them and strike fear into whoever shall rise up against them. Here, this fear is not a reverential fear. This fear is not that I'm going to step in and they're going to respect me. No, this is straight out fear. I'm going to step in and they're going to fear you like they've never feared anything in their life. Because they're going to see who's backing you up. Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm going to step into the battlefield Amen. and when they see this giant back there, not even Goliath is going to be able to step. Come on. Goliath is going to look small next to me. God. I've had this stored up for a while. <laughs> we just got stuff that's just stored up and you need to let it out. This is, this is what happens. Scripture takes stuff out of you. Yeah. And this chapter, I mean, like, I was talking to my wife earlier the week and I'm like, you know what, man? This chapter is like straight out. I mean, there's not much that I need to add to this or study. It's just literally straight out scripture. I mean, God is just blunt here in chapter 23. Yep. All right, let's go ahead and finish chapter 29 to 33. It says, I will not drive them. But look what God says. He says, I will be an enemy. 
to them. And they will see who I am. And whoever's an enemy to you will be an enemy to me. But, but, I will not drive them out before you in a single year. Otherwise, the land would become desolate and the animals of the field will multiply against you. But little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you are fruitful. Then you will possess the land. I will set your border from the Sea of the Reeds to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates River. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you are to drive them out before you. Make no covenant with them or with their gods, they must not dwell in your land and cause you to sin against me. For it is if you worship their gods, there will be a snare to you. In these last verses, God, we, we see God's perfect plan on how they're going to overtake Canaan. In other words, that's what is being spoken about here, the promised land. God says, I'm going to be on your side. I will not leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Um, Whoever is an enemy to you will be my enemy. And all these things, but I am not just going to overthrow them in a single year. Could God have done that? Absolutely. But he's not going to step in and wipe them out. Why? Because he says, if I do that, the land will become desolate and the animals will grow against you. In other words, God, here we see that God is a God of order. There is a time, a place, and a season for everything. You're going you're gonna to acquire, you're going to possess the promised land. But little by little. Why? Because yeah. if I wipe out everything, chaos is going to be created. And I'm not a God of chaos. Amen. I'm a God of order. And so it says little by little, you're going to take possession of Canaan. Think about this, guys. Little by little, you will take possessions of your blessings. Amen. God is going to give you everything in one yes. shot. Because Come if on. he were to give you everything in one shot, That's you will be overwhelmed with what everything God has to give you. Yeah. So he says, I will give you things little by little. Amen. So you won't grow, so you won't grow spiritually fat. And in the midst of it, you'll be able to enjoy things in season where they're pertaining to. And then next season you step into, I'll give you a little bit more, Amen. and a little bit more, and a little bit more. Amen. And along the way, I'm gonna show you that I'm a God of order. Amen. And along the way, I'm gonna show you who I am from the beginning to the end. Amen. Because I am the Alpha Amen. and the Omega. Amen. God is a God of order. We see it here clearly. He, he, he picks everything. He's, he's so perfect in everything that he does. And how much he knew, he knew how much the Israelites were able to handle. He knows how much we are able to handle. And sometimes we ask, well, I need more, I need more. No, it's not that you need more. It's that you want more. Amen. And there's a difference between needing and wanting. That's right. Needing greed, yeah. Then God finalizes by telling his people three things in verse 32 and 33. Please don't miss this. He says, verse 32, make no covenant with them or with their gods. They must not dwell in your land and cause you to sin against me. For if you worship their gods, they will be a snare to you. So he addresses three things. He says, you shall make no covenant with them, number one. They should not dwell in your land, number two. And number three, if you go back to worshiping their gods, 
they will be a snare to you. So do not make any alliance. Canaan is yours. I don't need you to mix yourself. Come on. Think wow. about what Come I'm on. saying. Come on. Canaan is yours. I don't need you to mix yourself. Mm. I don't need them to dwell in your land. I'm giving you Canaan. They don't belong there. Yeah. And number three, don't go back to worshiping their gods. And unfortunately to this day, the chosen people of God have done complete disobedience mm -hmm. to what the scripture says. And that's the reason why they have not been able to possess the whole land of Canaan in its complete borders as is mentioned in your scripture. But this is for you and I today. He says, you shall make no covenant with them. Don't mix yourself with them. In other words, do not make agreements or alliance with the things of the world. You are set apart. Do not let them dwell in what God has given you. Don't mix yourself with what God has given you with those that don't believe in who God is. Don't mix yourself. And three, please, by no means, do you praise anything mm -hmm. or worship anything that they worship. Mm -hmm. yes. Think about what the modern day church is doing. Exactly the opposite of these three things. Completely. They're mixing themselves just because they want to blend in and they want to fill the house with. It doesn't matter what they fill it with. They are letting these people dwell in the land. And they are, in a sense, going out there and partaking in their events. Therefore, you are worshiping those things. Wow. So the modern day church is doing all these things completely the opposite. So what are they doing? They're in disobedience. You know what? God told them these specific things in this end of this chapter. Because since chapter 19, okay, since chapter 19, God has been trying to establish a covenant with his people. Yes. God is a God of covenant. Mm, come on. Amen. And he's been trying to establish a covenant with his people. And for some reason or another, the chosen God of people continue to disobey God. Why? Because it sounds good. Because it looks good, because it feels right, because it smells right, and because if everybody else is doing it, it must taste good. But it was for the very same taste that we are in the condition that we're in. Because of disobedience from Adam and Eve, because they chose to taste. It looked good, right? It tickled their ear, what they were being told. Mm. Mm. It seemed right. It felt right, right? Eve said, it feels right. Come on, Adam, eat too. Here comes the man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and taste it. <laughs> and taste it. And taste it. And because of taste... Because of taste, sin came into the world. God is a God of covenant. He doesn't want his people to worship anybody else but him. Amen. Amen. 
and you, he's not concerned about you tasting anything else. He says, taste of me. That's all you amen, need. Amen, amen. I have all the goodness amen. and everything yes. that you need.